Hello and welcome to A Hand Up, a Habitat for Humanity leadership podcast by Habitat for Humanity of Georgia. I'm your host, Ryan Willoughby, and today I'm joined with Miss Sandy Pike of Habitat for Humanity of Troop County. Sandy's been involved in the Habitat Ministry for over 17 years and has been the Executive Director of Troop County Habitat for the last four. So Sandy, we are looking forward to talking with you today and learning about your leadership style. Sandy. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Good morning, Ryan. Thank you for coming. You doing okay today? Absolutely. Fantastic. Excited fantastic. Excited to be here. Well, thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat with us. Really looking forward to this conversation and uh, hear more about your leadership journey at Habitat. Um, if you would, just get us started off for our listeners who, who haven't had a chance to meet you. Tell us a little bit about Sandy Pike, where you're from, what you're doing, how you ended up here, and uh, just let us know a little bit about you. Well, um, I actually grew up in Roanoke, Alabama, which is not far from here. And um, my husband and I have been together for 31 years. We have a son that's 27. He's amazing, and I'm very blessed. I started with Habitat years ago. I was a bank manager for um, a local bank in West Point, Georgia, and I started with Habitat. It was an exciting opportunity for me. Um, I had served on multiple boards, and when Steve Brown walked into my office. I was managing Charter Bank in West Point. He said, I've heard great things about you and I'd like for you to be on our board. So I thought about it and I went home and told my husband, wow, I'm going to learn to build a house. Little did I know. So about a month and a half into our journey, um, we dedicated a home in my hometown of Roanoke, Alabama, and I followed the kids and not the parents. And it's, it's a very emotional for me to talk about it. But the little kids were looking at me saying, Miss Sandy, do you promise that this is my home? Do you promise I don't have to leave here? Do you promise, do you promise that this is my room? And it was such an emotional, you know, time for me that I've set out on to always stay with Habitat. And it was life-changing for me. Even though I'd served on so many boards before, that connection had not been made like it did with Habitat. Mm. So I went home and told my husband that, you know, this is really not about learning how to build a home. It's a life-changing experience. And I learned through that that the home is a stabilizing force in their environment. And so when you take that home and you provide that safety for them, and you provide that home ownership and the pride behind it, um, you can see the impact that it has on them, not only that family, but for generations to come, that they know that they it is possible that they can own their home. So it's just a wonderful, it's been so wonderful. My family's involved. Um, it's something that I love. That's awesome. I, I think that personal touch and that personal commitment to Habitat is definitely one of the things that's made you so successful here. And you've kind of answered this next question for me that I had, which was, um, but I'd like for you to expand it on a little bit further for us. What sort of experiences happened for you that really you think prepared you for Habitat? Because you were in the banking world before. So what, what kind of led you, what experiences maybe did you have outside of Habitat that you think really gave you the tools to be successful here? Well, I'm, I'm a very faith-based person, and I believe that God guides us. So for me, now that I look back, I actually started in the banking industry, still trying to figure out who I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And what was so exciting is when I started the banking industry, in the banking industry, I loved serving others. The main thing was that, you know, I really like helping people. And so it grew from every two years, 
I was promoted, and once I began in the management, on the management side, I went back to school, and I was able to um, go to Georgia and learn the CEO level of how to run a bank, actually. Um, Charter Bank sent me there for three years, and Mm -hmm. I learned CEO level management. And at one point, I thought, well, I'll never need this. Mm -hmm. I love managing on the the main level as Mm -hmm. a, a branch manager, because I knew if I went any higher, it would take that personal interaction with my customers away. So I really thought I'd never use it, but I was grateful for the experience. Um, So I see now that that I believe that I was being prepared the whole time. Mm -hmm. So 25 years of banking, and then of course 23 years of bank management helped me to know one, the bank that I was with, which was Charter Bank at the time, it was a local bank, but they allowed us as managers to pretty much manage our branches independent. Like, we are the manager. Here's my budget. I create my budget for the year. Of course, they helped. Upper management helped. But we were really able to learn to fly on our own, anywhere from growing the market um, share for our branch to budgeting to managing the people to hiring to firing so all of that experience helped me so that whenever I received a call I had been affiliated with Habitat for 13 years Mm -hmm. and Steve Brown reached out to me and he said I'm retiring and I was like really and um, he said I really want you and the board we've talked we want you to come on board oh well but I was so adamant that I didn't want it to look like anything was given to me because I'm like that. I want to earn everything I get, you know. Right. So I said, I, I would love to. Mm-hmm. This is what I've been praying for for a long time is to put me in a position, Lord, that I can serve others, but I can do it from a, a different in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so instead of banking, I wanted to be able to really just make a make changes in people's mm-hmm. lives that I could see. So I told them to put me through the same hiring process mm-hmm. and they did and here I am. So it's been such a blessing and I I, I consider it an honor mm-hmm. to sit here and for all of the experience that led me up to being able to be successful and I, I believe that all of my education and, and banking knowledge is what helped me to be successful. That's awesome. That's and that leads perfectly into my next question. I mean, you've been involved with Habitat for so long uh, on the board level, now on the staff level. What has been really the most rewarding part of that experience for you? You answered, I think, a little bit earlier in your introduction, but would you just unpack that for everybody listening? What's been the most rewarding part? The most rewarding is when you can see the the true life changing experience that happens with these families. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that we deal with that I've helped so far, mm-hmm. um, they never dreamed of owning their own home. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the kids in the families that we serve, and I know this is, you're not, it's gonna be hard to believe, I promise, but some of the average kids move 17 times in a year. Wow. And I'm like, Are you, no, that figure can't be right, but it actually is. So when we're able to work with the families, the ro- the most rewarding part to me is giving them hope and then watching the transition from 
are you sure I'm going to be a homeowner? And then we transition them through the process, and then they're able to go in and see their home for the first time. Mm -hmm. And then to be able to see year after year those children, their test scores change um, for the most part. Um, They have that security, Mm -hmm. that home, that stabilizing force for them. It's really life-changing for them. Absolutely. And so we've watched then over the house that we start on next will mm-hmm. be our hundredth home. Oh, wow, that's a huge milestone. Absolutely. Awesome. And so historically, the data that comes out of this affiliate is that we see the children that grow up in habitat homes then go on to be homeowners themselves. That's awesome. That's so, I, I love you saying this because this is actually something I tell a lot of um, when I speak to legislators or just people about habitat and. I always tell them, to me, the real beneficiaries are always the kids. Right. Like they're always the ones who are the biggest beneficiaries. I mean, even though they're not the ones buying the home, heck, they may not even end up inheriting it from their parents. Who knows? But right. it seems like it sets a, a standard for them. It gives mm-hmm. them, you know, our mission statement says, you know, building homes, communities, and hope. And it's mm-hmm. like you take this kid who had no hope, right? Their parents right. never owned a home. They figured I would never own a home. I may never even have my own bedroom. And now they see what's possible, and so they just aspire to that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's awesome that that's been your high point as well. Absolutely, that's fantastic. So I I always like to follow this question up with a much more a uh, little bit of a downer question. Yeah. Um, so what's been the most disappointing part of Habitat your Habitat experience so far? Um, if I can be real, yeah, that's um, what we're here for. Is that the the last three homes that were built? I oversaw the majority, probably 75% of the process. I inherited the start of it. Um, You know, the ungratefulness, just the expectation of, um, was very disappointing because I don't know that the families that we always, you know, the families that we serve always really understand what they're really getting. So, um, I mean, I was, I'm being honest. Yeah. So it's very difficult because you see that there are so many people out there that are so deserving of what we offer. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, we've had some very difficult times with the the homeowners that we dealt with. Very, very difficult. And when I say that, I'm going to put it on a, spin it to a positive note, Mm -hmm. is that because of those experiences, now we're more dedicated than ever to Mm -hmm. making sure that the right families are given these opportunities um and so we will do even more due diligence ahead of time to make sure that that there's the right opportunity is given i would really like to talk about this because this Mm -hmm. is your your answer is not what i expected and so what do you think it was that caused these individuals or these families to be as you said ungrateful they they just didn't did they not understand the process did they not understand what it means to be a homeowner what what do, what do you think was the cause of that? Well, you know, I've thought about it a lot mm-hmm. and just, you know, I'm not quite sure. Um, I don't know. But because I wasn't a part of the selection committee working with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know that um, at one point um, one of the homeowners told my husband that, you know, basically in America she gets everything for free. So she was really? the one that 
cursed out a lot of us, and I've received calls every day. It was just difficult. Yeah. So I don't want to. I'm so sorry to put a damper on the, no, the it's, conversation, it's but <clears throat> that's the hardest part for me. So mm-hmm. going forward, um, I actually spend a lot of time getting to know these families mm-hmm. that are in the that have been selected by family selection to right. make sure that um, to their you know as far as like the homeowners themselves, a mm-hmm. lot of times they won't they're not full disclosure on mm-hmm. really the income and who will be living in the homes. But to put a positive note on it, um, we've just finished family selection for this go around Mm -hmm. and we have some of the most amazing people. Um, and they are, they're genuinely honored to be in the program. Going back to what you just said, something just came to me. I do believe that maybe they don't really understand what they're gaining. Mm. Um, through the process that, you know, so once you break it down and you think about, they walk in with a ton of equity that you and I don't. Right. Um, and so I think that maybe they really just don't, don't realize the bigger picture of it. They don't. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. That, that would make sense. Um, I do want to say just for the record, in case anybody from America hears this. They don't get anything free in America. So I know that for a fact. I know their team right. there. But, you know, I, I've seen homeowners before who have, or potential homeowners who have maybe claimed something that's just not accurate. Right. Um, whether they're doing that to be malevolent or whether right. they're doing it just out of ignorance they don't understand, I don't know. But um, I think that's a really good point about understanding the equity side of it. Because, I think that's it. you know, Sandy, I mean, and you know this coming from the banking world, but what we do is very complex. Mm-hmm. And the, the, process of home ownership and what that means financially for somebody, there's a lot of people who just don't understand it at all, mm-hmm. regardless of being our homeowners or just regular market rate homeowners right. who don't understand what equity is and they don't understand that when you're buying this house, what that really means. You know what I'm saying? So right. um, I could see that being a, a real contributing factor to that. Well, during COVID, you know, it cost us so much more to build the home right. that our loss was even greater because mm-hmm. we don't pass that down to the homeowner. So. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so let me ask you this. In your time here and, you know, whether it's being a board member or a staff member, what do you think has been the most critical skill set for you to being successful? What, what do you see that as? Well, I will say this. Um, initially, when I stepped in seat, um, we had three homes to build mm-hmm. in a matter of a short time, and we didn't have the funding for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went home every day stressed out. I was mm-hmm. upset. I was praying. I was fasting. I was crying like, oh, you yeah. know, and it was funny <laughs> because my husband's like, he sat me down one day. He's a very wise man. Uh-huh. Um, but he said, do me a favor. He said, forget that you're in a nonprofit world. Mm-hmm. He said, Take off your nonprofit hat and mm-hmm. put on your business hat. Mm-hmm. Put put your banking hat back on. Mm-hmm. Put all the knowledge you have and and all the experiences you've had. I said, okay. He said, now tell me what you would do. Mm-hmm. And within five minutes, I gave him a plan. He mm-hmm. said, now take it to your board. Wow. I said, but I'm a nonprofit. Yeah. I can't do that. You uh-huh. know, I've got my nonprofit hat. He said, right. what I tell you, take it off. Right. He said, you know what to do. Right. And so <clears throat> once I took, now I, I want everybody to understand, I'm not saying not to abide by the oh, nonprofit guidelines yeah. and, right. and rules, but what he was basically saying is you're, 
it's a different time. Right. You've got to do, you've got to take different measures. So right. when I put on my business hat and, and I reminded myself that I was so successful in growing the market share and managing a bank and, you know, just it was like manage my own business. Right. When I started inputting <clears throat> on paper, when I started writing down on paper the plan, mm-hmm. I presented it to the board, and they're like, yeah. <laughs> so it, it yeah. was a win-win because I did have that support mm-hmm. from the board. And so from then on, we operated as a business, mm-hmm. but we still made sure that we were in the under the guidelines you know we operated under the guidelines but we changed our whole mindset actually so that's um you know you and i were talking about that before we started recording you know in the sense of telling people that you know we're we're not a charity who has to do business things i mean we are from a legal standpoint right Mm -hmm. we're designated Mm -hmm. as a charity but really we have to be a business that does something charitable and if you're not a business and you don't treat an affiliate like a business you're going to go out of business, right? Absolutely. Um, so I love that you took that skill set that you had in the private mm-hmm. sector and started that. Because I, when when I was actually thinking about this question for you, uh, can I answer it from you of the standpoint yes. of what I've seen? Yes. Because one of the things that I always um, liked about working with you, the very first moment I talked to you, I remember I came in and we were sitting in this room that we're sitting in right now. And you were telling me about coming from banking. Mm-hmm. And you did something that I thought was remarkable. Um you said, yeah, I take my mail every day and I scan my mail in and I open it and I scan it in. I have a spreadsheet where I list everything yes. that came in. And I was like, man, this lady is super detailed. <laughs> I was like, man, she is super detailed. And, um, but I realized like after talking with you, what I kind of noticed about you, Sandy, is you seem to be one of those people who's always learning. Yes. Like you, you didn't take anything for granted in the sense of like, oh, I already have the answers to this. It was always kind of like a, you know what, I'm going to go learn more about that. Because I remember we talked about the third-party mortgage lending. And we just talked about it briefly. And your response was like, oh, I didn't know we could do that. And Mm. I'm going to look more into this. And then I remember we had a call like a month later. Mm -hmm. And you said, oh, yeah, my board is totally on board for this. Mm -hmm. It makes perfect sense. And I was like, wow, that's impressive. This lady, she had a huge amount of experience with Habitat. Mm. And I think you could have very easily said, "Ah, we're not going to do that. I already know that that's Mm -hmm. not what we want to do. But you didn't do that. You you came straight in and said, I'm going to learn. And I just love that a lot. I, I, that. I respect that. I think um, that willingness to always be learning. I, I saw I that in you that. very early on. I so. told someone yesterday, it's funny that you're saying that because I said, I'm going to live to be 100, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll be at 99, I'm still going to be learning. Absolutely. Because I, I love to be able to talk to other people mm-hmm. who have had other life experiences mm-hmm. or who have been in this role for a while that, you know, I, I feel like I can learn from anybody mm-hmm. that if I really listen to what they're saying, Absolutely. I can either learn, don't do that or right. learn, do, do, you know, just Absolutely. implement this. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think probably my, if I had to think about in my role, not just here at Habitat, but in previous jobs I've had, if I always think about the biggest failures that I've had in life, mm-hmm. I think if I looked at the root cause of them, it was always because I wasn't willing to learn. I wasn't willing to step back and say, Hmm, maybe I can learn something here. Maybe, right. maybe this isn't for me, or maybe it is. But I need to at least look at it and figure it out. So, um, I, like you said, sometimes <clears throat> you learn what not to do, and right. that's that can be just as valuable as learning what to do. Right. right. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to know. Um, you know, I think all leaders at Habitat. And we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording. But what do you see as the thing that maybe gets you most sidetracked 
from your role at Habitat? Like what, what, call, what are the little stumbling blocks that you run into day to day? Well, for me, mm-hmm. um, and it's, this is going to be long, kind of, I'll try to shorten it, but. No, go, so, go into as much detail as you okay. need to. So for me, when I stepped in seat and saw that I had three houses that I was responsible to making sure that, to make sure that they were completed in a short time and we didn't have the funds, um, I took on multiple roles, mm-hmm. and then as people left or maybe you know moved on to another job, I took that role on to cut the cost. Mm-hmm. So the first three months, all I did was assess the fact that this is what we have to pay, mm-hmm. and I was looking at what was going in, what's coming in, and what's going out mm-hmm. in terms of the finances, I started cutting out everything I could, Mm -hmm. like literally cut out. I cut out $35,000 literally within three months of spending. And so with that, what I see is most sidetracking is that I'm still managing all aspects, Mm -hmm. including the restore for um, the most part Mm -hmm. for the restore. And so all day, every day, I'm getting so sidetracked because I am holding so many hats Mm -hmm. so when i get home every day is when i start my real work um i don't regret it it Mm -hmm. you know i people say oh you're gonna get burned out well eventually Mm -hmm. i believe that i well eventually i knew i would get to a place where i could Mm -hmm. but for that moment in time Mm -hmm. i sacrificed everything i had to Mm -hmm. to get us to where we are Mm -hmm. and when you say sidetracked it's not a bad thing Mm -hmm. It's just that when you carry so many hats, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're always going to be pulled in so many directions. So right. my days usually start at two every day. Right. So I'm here, I'm, I'm doing, you know, what needs to be done. But yeah. the real job that I have here starts mm-hmm. at two o'clock. So mm-hmm. thankfully, Restore closes at two, you okay. know, <laughs> two days a week. So I can yeah. get home. But I don't regret it. I right. don't, I'm not saying that in a negative. Mm-hmm. Um, getting sidetracked, though, it's very easy when you carry so many hats. Mm-hmm. Due to the sacrifices that were made, and, and I had a, a one-year, three-year, and a five-year plan, we mm-hmm. way exceeded those, and we're now in a position to where I'm looking to be able to hire someone mm-hmm. that will be able to, um, a part-time person that mm-hmm. will be able to take on some of the roles that I have that will help me with that. So. Yeah, so it's like you say, you're <clears throat> you're wearing all those hats, but that's not the objective, right? The, the goal right. is not to put those hats on in perpetuity, right. but get yourself to that place where you can start Absolutely. passing on those responsibilities. And, you know, as we've discussed, you know, again, off the record here, but, you know, it's a challenge. It is. Right, to find somebody mm-hmm. that you can trust. Oh, yes. But I, I'm confident that you're the kind of person who's going to be able to find the person or persons right. uh, you need. And it's, it's interesting because this next question kind of falls in line with that. You know, so coming from the banking world, it's its own little, I don't know what you would describe it as. The banking world's world. different. Yeah, it's its own world, <laughs> It's right? own world. <laughs> yeah, it's so different from yeah. any other, uh, you know, line of business because it's so heavily regulated and there's right. a lot on the line. And, um, you know, when you're handling people's money, they take it very seriously. Right. But, you know, having that, I mean, we have a lot of those same requirements, a lot of those same challenges. What do you see as kind of those unique challenges for you at, at Habitat that you've had to kind of overcome things that are maybe like, man, I never had to deal with this in the banking world, um, but I have to deal with it every day at Habitat. What are those kind of things for you? Well, one of the things I would say is that, you know, 
this is not a negative by any means, but mm-hmm. walking in, it, I come from such a highly regulated world mm-hmm. that my brain is so geared to security and making sure everything is dual control. And mm-hmm. so as a nonprofit, if, if, if other leaders, not, not, not a negative on them, but mm-hmm. if they didn't come from a highly regulated world, they're not going to know to implement certain measures. Mm-hmm. So when I arrived, I started immediately putting in dual control. We had security classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I implemented, you know, regular training, mm-hmm. um, 30, 60, 90 day performances for employees. So there's so many things, annual reviews, um, you know, we have regular security meetings. And so there's so many things that I put in to place that would make me feel better because it you know because i come in from such a highly regulated world i come in my first week and i'm like what do you mean nobody from international comes and checks my work what do you mean they're wait no can i call them and ask them to come right and they're like no that's not how it works so being able to understand we are we do have an auditor right and so we do have you know our accountant that manages our you know day-to-days accounting but i still Mm -hmm. have a lot to do on the front end Mm -hmm. but just being able to know that i've now gotten all those measures in place Mm -hmm. eases me my nerves um to know that we're secure and we're doing things the best that we can so we operate as a bank gear (laughs) i mean you know from a highly regulated world but that that helps me to know we're doing things the right way well and I'm so encouraged to hear this because this is something we've we've talked with a lot of affiliates about because, mm-hmm. you know, when Habitat was started, it was, what I tell people, it was truly grassroots, right? We mm-hmm. started on a farm in South Georgia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, um, for a long time, it was kind of a Wild West sort of mm-hmm. show, you know what I mean? Right. It was kind of just, maybe you do it, maybe you don't, whatever. Right. And, you know, those uh, security measures you've talked about and the things that are regulated in the banking industry, I mean, um, there's a reason those got put in place, right? Right. And, you know, I think we have to, we've maybe, not just Habitat, but the nonprofit sector as a whole, been very slow to adapt to those sort of things that you see in the private sector. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when you adapt them, it sounds like you, you experience greater success because now mm-hmm. you're not having to worry about the same sort of things that you were having to worry about before. You've right. already put things in place to prevent those things from happening and maybe allowed yourself to be able to take off the hat, of, yeah. you know, and, and right. not worry about something that was... Yeah. Otherwise, going to be a problem. Right. So, um, so, kind of in in line with that. I mean, with all these different things, what do you think? I'm really interested to hear your answer to this mm-hmm. question. See, <laughs> I'm really, really. Okay. What's the easiest part of your job? Loving people. Loving people. Yeah. Okay. Just you know, coming in every day. Knowing that we make a difference. Sure. Sure. That's awesome. That's uh, the seeking to put God's love into action, right? First part of the mission. So uh, That's the easiest part. And just, you know, interacting with the families and getting mm-hmm. to know them. And it's amazing. It's funny because a lot of people that have um, been selected by the Family Selection mm-hmm. Committee, you know, I may talk to them for three or four months mm-hmm. before I actually meet them in person. Oh, wow. Um, and it's just it's, it's a wonderful experience to be able to talk to these families and you get to know them. And mm-hmm. I love you, Sandy, and I love mm-hmm. you back. Mm-hmm. You know, just um, so loving people is just, it's always come easy for me. And wanting to serve people and just 
it's it's very easy. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, so let me ask you the flip side of that. What's the most difficult part of your job? Well, the most difficult um, is pretty much around when I receive numerous calls a week mm -hmm. and I know that we are not able to help them. That's really? the most difficult part. And so saying no, this mm -hmm. morning at 6 o'clock, my mm -hmm. day starts at 6. Mm -hmm. It's in my bed in my pajamas with yeah. my coffee, but I'm on my laptop, you yeah. know, with my emails and having to say no, having, mm -hmm. you know, in a in a upbeat kind of, I'm so sorry, you know, I'm very kind right. about it, but having to say no is the most difficult part because mm -hmm. um, my goal and I know this is a stretch, so bear with me. Um, but my goal for this affiliate is that every call that we get, I want us to be able to help them. Mm -hmm. and, and I say that even if we can't physically do the work mm -hmm. or we can't physically accomplish that task that's needed or that help, I'm in the process of creating a network mm -hmm. here in LaGrange and in our other, the other communities that I serve and other counties I serve. Right that I may not be able to do it mm -hmm. fully, but I can connect them to the right people that can. That's awesome. So creating that network is what I've been working on since I've been here. But that's, that's awesome. the most difficult is to see people in, in need, and I, there's nothing I can do. Mm -hmm. It just It's heartbreaking. Yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, that's um, <clears throat> I think the people that get drawn to this kind of work are people who ultimately want to help and want to serve. And so it can be a real challenge sometimes when you have somebody come in and they've got mm -hmm. a, a completely legitimate need. Right. And, um, but I also have to commend you for recognizing that you can't solve everybody's right. problems. That's right. Because I think that's something that leaders have talked to me about before is they're just like, they feel pulled in so many different directions because they're trying to solve problems that mm -hmm. their affiliates just not equipped to solve. Right. And it's like, <clears throat> you know, we, you have to stay in your lane, right? I have, right. The, I have the lane to, address these issues, these other things that you have going on, I, I just can't help you with. But good on you for saying, that's not good enough for me. If I can't solve this, one, I'm, I'm able to recognize that I can't, but I'm also going to take the steps to find somebody who can. Right. Because maybe this person who's coming in today with this problem, there might be another person like that next week who comes right. in. So still being able to be a part of the solution with maybe if you're not, you know, at the tip of the spear, you're at least a, a connecting sure. vessel there. Yeah. So that's awesome. That's really, really great. Thank you. So you mentioned COVID earlier. And, um, you know, obviously the last three years for everybody have been challenging. It feels mm -hmm. like something is new every single day. Oh, wow. So it's like our world is constantly changing, not just our, our private lives, our personal lives, uh, you know, business, government, whatever. What do you think has been the biggest thing, maybe the biggest hindrance to adapting to that change that you've seen or, or maybe how, when that change has presented itself, how have you been able to adapt to that and say, okay, I realize this is new and different. So I've got to find some way to work with this. How, how do you do that as a leader? Well, um, I learned quickly that the, the quicker that I adapt the way I think mm -hmm. and learn from others is mm -hmm. one or reassess the, the whatever's going on and just be able to change gears quickly. Mm -hmm. The quicker we do that and figure out the solution, mm -hmm. the better. 
um, with COVID, it's it's difficult because we were not able to use the volunteer labor mm-hmm. that we normally did. So it you know it was a hard hit on us as far as the cost of homes. But mm-hmm. quickly being able to one assess the situation, mm-hmm. reach if I can't figure it out with my with the board, then who who can I call? Mm-hmm. You know I've called you. Right. Oh, uh, you know just utilizing the the people that I have in my network in my world to be mm-hmm. able to give me positive feedback you mm-hmm. actually solved um, a dilemma I felt like I had just a few days ago um, when we talked about you know I've got all this money now we've mm-hmm. built it up but it, you know a lot of these projects have to be paid for and then reimbursement on the backside so I right. called you to reach out so always being flexible and knowing that I don't have all the answers oh yeah but I can connect to people who who have had experiences. So just quickly changing. I, look, I am ready to change gears three times in a day if I have to. <laughs> that's, that's you good. know, and for somebody that's is, that has a plan for a plan for a plan, right. that's me. Yeah. Like I have written down, here's my plan, here's my second plan, here's my third plan. If that, right. You know, being able to change gears quickly. That's huge. That's it is huge. It's that's so huge. It's huge for me. Oh, sure. Well, well <laughs> you know, I, I think um, I, I I don't even come close to your level of organization, uh, but I am one of those persons who, who always has plans, ideas, things right. going in the back of my mind. I'm thinking about, okay, where are we going to be three months, six mm-hmm. months, nine mm-hmm. months from now? Um, and and it's been hard for me to change and to, mm-hmm. you know, to use the term people use now, to pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that your attitude is, is I'm, I, I, I'm willing to... Whatever. Shift gears three times a day. I mean, that you know, you, you don't hold on to a plan so direly yeah. that you're not willing to to recognize that maybe it's not the right time. Right. That's that's one of the things the board is, uh, my board of directors has talked with me about. Is you know, it, it's great that you have this idea, but maybe it's maybe now's just not the right time right. for it. So it's right. okay to move that right. and and say, okay, I know it's something you're passionate about. I know it's something you want to do, but mm-hmm. don't don't be so passionate for it that you force something that's that's not right for this time yeah exactly yeah. so that being willing to adjust right. um so you, you mentioned burnout a minute ago and so mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite questions whenever mm-hmm. i talk to, to leaders about this because mm-hmm. it's like habitat is it's just a land where burnout is so prevalent mm-hmm. how do you take care of sandy pike so that you don't wake up one morning and you're just like i can't do this anymore right. I'm, I'm exhausted it's taking its toll what do you do to prevent that sort of exhaustion? Well, I have, um, you know, working seven days a week mm-hmm. for the first two years, mm-hmm. I finally had to step back. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I through prayer and, and a great board, you know, the support, I've been able to move forward very quickly mm-hmm. to go from zero to 100 mm-hmm. is what it felt like. But if I don't stop, and take time off mm-hmm. a Saturday and a Sunday and just, you know, do something fun, mm-hmm. whether it's read a book or, you know, play with my dogs because mm-hmm. I rescue dogs all the time. So <laughs> don't Sandy, ask me how many so, I have. So, Sandy, I was going to uh, say, I didn't know that about you, but knowing you and hearing <laughs> you say that, I'm like, of course she rescues dogs. Yeah, I, I can, all the time. I can see. I, I can imagine. Yeah. Are you the kind of lady who's like, you see them on the side of the road oh, and you're just time. like, pull yes. over and grab them? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're coming home we, with me now. We rescued one last night at 9.30, oh so this lady was at my house till 10.30. She was uh, so happy. But um, So, you know, just doing things that I enjoy. Right. Um, 
And so creating a balance in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. to where I'm doing things that I enjoy, I had to do that. And okay. so when I realized that if I don't do this, then I'm going to get to a place where I'm not going to be able to. Right. And then who's going to be able to come step in? Right. And and they, look, there's a lot of people that could do a way better job than I do. Right. That's not what I mean. But being able to come in and... There's so many different levels to right. what we do that right. it would take, you know, it takes a while mm-hmm. to, to, to learn it all. So once I step back and I quit coming in on Saturdays, mm-hmm. they don't need me anyway. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Right. I have a good assistant manager. He knows what to do. They don't need me. They'll survive whether I'm here or not. So mm-hmm. taking that time and then my husband and I try to make sure that we have dinner mm-hmm. or lunch together mm-hmm. on the weekends and spending time with my son and Mm -hmm. um, just making sure that that family time is there. Mm -hmm. And so I force it because there's a lot of times that I go in my mind. I know you really need to put in four hours Saturday. And this is, you know, but I I don't. And so I just, I force that Mm -hmm. for my sanity, really. Really. (laughs) And I rescue more dogs. That, that, yeah. that sounds very similar to, it, it sounds like your husband helps you in the way that like my wife helps me. She's kind of that counterbalance there. Cause she's, she and I, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but you know, she, she had a conversation with me early in this job where she was like, you need to have a set time every day where mm-hmm. like you're, you're not taking phone calls, you're not mm-hmm. doing work stuff. And she's like, I understand there's going to be those, there's times where you just can't do that. There is an, a legitimate emergency. Right. She's like, but you need to be thinking about your family. And she actually said something to me one time um, when we had our first daughter, mm-hmm. which I, I'm, I'd be interested as a mother to hear, yeah. hear what your opinion is of this. Yeah. But she, um, when she put our daughter into to daycare, um, you know, she had, she got, I think she felt some, uh, not regret, but like, you know, she's looking at like stay at home moms right. and she's like, Oh, I wish I could do that. Yeah. But she said something to me that I thought was fantastic. She said, she said, daycare makes me a better mother. Yes. She's like, I'm a better mother yeah. to, to our daughters. If I take time for myself right. and I take time to work and I take time to do my own, you know, she has hobbies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you feel similarly like that? You, you're a better leader when you take time for Sandy, right? I do. Um, I feel like it gives me just a, a, the chill time. Mm-hmm. Is it, it it gets me motivated for what's coming. So right. when I start my day on Monday morning, I'm not burned out because I right. just stayed up till midnight writing a grant or whatever. Right. So having that chill time and just my husband is in a, a very demanding job as well. Mm-hmm. So we both force each other. Mm-hmm. So we're <clears throat> he's forcing me and then I'm forcing him in a positive right. way, in a right. sweet way. Right. But um it helps him as well. And so um it, even though I do carry things over, mm-hmm. my goal was always never carry this week over to the next week. Oh, nice. I lived that in banking. I lived, you can't, here, okay. when you carry all these, you can't. You right. have to be able to just say, okay, here's five items mm-hmm. that I'm going to carry over to the next week. And you know what? Forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. Y'all probably don't need this, but mm-hmm. for me, I do because I, I want it. You know, I want to be able to start the week off fresh. Now right. I don't. I'm like, okay, you know what? It is what it is. You know, right. I've got this. It just may be the next week. Right. And I don't mean on deadlines. I create deadlines for my own self that right. don't even exist in the world. But right. for me, so it, that, it's good. That that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. Because I, 
I, I have the same problem in the sense of you mentioned, uh, like, I mean, I wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I'm like, oh, I forgot to do this. Yeah. I forgot to do that. Yeah. And it's, you know, if it's on a, even if it's a weekday, I'm just like, okay, yeah. well, it's three in the morning. So, <laughs> so you're not going to be able to handle that problem <laughs> right now anyways, or it's yeah. Sunday afternoon, tomorrow's going to come, just right. put it on your list and, and be willing to give yourself a little grace and understand right. that you can, you know, you can make it work. That's right. That's um, right. I, I love that. Um, so in addition to taking care of yourself, I mean, you got to give yourself grace, but your employees as well. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned earlier about taking care of them, providing mm-hmm. training for them, stuff mm-hmm. like that. What do you do to help keep them motivated to, to take care of them and their needs and, and make sure that they show up to work and they want to be here and they enjoy the process? What well, do you do for that? The, the one of the things, and I, I'll say this is from the very beginning, when I stepped in and saw that $10.50 was the highest that the employees earned, mm-hmm. I quickly thought how, first of all, I wondered how they made it on that. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a huge burden on me walking in. So not only did I take on the restore mm-hmm. manager job, because shortly in, a gentleman that was here, the restore manager, mm-hmm. um, he was already looking to um, take another job because he lived in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So it just wasn't, you know, it didn't make sense for him to, right. to drive here. It was a short-term thing for him, and here was anyway. So... I thought, how can I cut costs? But then I thought, you know, really, I can cut this cost out, but I need to be able to do something for these employees. They deserve, you know, to be able to feed their families and take Mm -hmm. care of their families. So I bumped them all up to $15 an hour. Mm -hmm. And so not having that restore manager Mm -hmm. salary Mm -hmm. is how I was able to do that. So not only do they get a raise, but every Every day that I'm here, mm-hmm. I walk through, I speak to them, and it's out of a genuine. I don't, I don't do this because I feel like I have to. Right. I do it because I want, I want them to know that I have an open door policy. Mm-hmm. You can come in here at any time. I don't care if you curse. I don't care mm-hmm. if you show out. Just do it in here. Don't do it out there. Right. right? So if you've got a situation that that really need to talk to, you can always talk to me. Mm-hmm. It will never go outside this room. Right. I, you know, I, I value what they say behind closed doors. So mm-hmm. um, the second thing, I always walk out, I always talk to them. I see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know their family. Mm-hmm. I talk to them about their kids or their dogs or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, another thing I do is I, I feed them often. Mm-hmm. I, you know, <laughs> everybody loves food. You'd be surprised. Yeah. I am Mama Goose, by okay. the way. Okay, nothing wrong so, with that. The restore employees call me Mama Goose. Uh, so as soon as I come in, they'll go, "What's up, Mama Goose?" You know. <laughs> yeah. So it's fun, but um, you know, just genuinely spending time when I'm here mm. to, with each one of them, and even the community service. I mean, look, community service they they don't have they do have to be somewhere, right. but you know, I always go and thank them for choosing us, and right. I treat them as volunteers not as community service right and and i'm bringing that up because i had no idea that one of the employees was watching me mm-hmm. from the beginning and they oh. were like you don't treat them as community service and i'm mm. like none of us better treat them like community service right. you know it it's it's an honor for them to choose to come here they mm-hmm. could go anywhere right um and so i always thank them and 
So, you know, just, just treating people the way you want to be treated yourself. Right. And so the employees, and they always know if something comes up and they have an emergency with their family, and if mm-hmm. they come in here, I'm going to ask them, why are you here? Mm-hmm. You need to go and be with your family. Your family right. comes first. Right. Um, that was in banking. Mm-hmm. And so out of being in the workforce for 31 years, mm-hmm. 32 years, I've never been taken advantage of. Wow. So, it. I mean, you know, when I tell them, put your family first, um, I know the restore assistant manager, he had mm-hmm. someone pass away in his family, and he came in. I was like, what are you doing here? He's mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah. Mama Goose, you sending me home? I said, yes, you need to go home. You need right. to be with your family. I got you. So, right. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's fantastic. I, I just think that. that's, um, you know, especially nowadays, because mm-hmm. more and more people, I think, are starting to come to that realization of you know they want to work somewhere where they're taken care of that's right you know that, that somebody understands that they're not showing up here mm-hmm. because they've got a bunch of free time right right that they're they're not here because <clears throat> um you know i'm just sitting around and i i guess i'll go get a job they're doing yeah. it because they have families that's to right. take care of they need yeah. to be able to pay those bills yeah. and take care of those family members and you know what's the point of doing it all if you're not really you know cherishing right. the time with the, the people you love most yeah so we uh, are a family here mm-hmm well, it sounds like it. Yeah. I, I love the the Mama Goose thing. Yeah, that's um, so funny. Don't, don't be surprised if I call you that one day. Uh, <laughs> Mama Goose. Yeah, is I, I hadn't heard that one. Um, I love it. So, you know, talking about like you you mentioned earlier that you like one of the things you do to take care of yourself is is reading. Mm-hmm. And I heard a phrase recently that said, uh, "Leaders are readers," mm-hmm. which I was like, "Wow, I love that." I've never heard that. That's good. I haven't I like heard it, it either. What, what What are you reading, by the way? What do you like to read? Well. Um, it's just, a, I mean, I'm all over the place. Like, um, I love to read leadership books. Okay. Um, I love to read biblical mm-hmm. um, material. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of sermons that on um, encouragement and mm-hmm. on <clears throat> basically what I'm on right now is anything I can get my hands on about serving others. Mm-hmm. So that servant leadership, I know I've gone through y'all's training as well. I'm sorry, I've gone through... You know, y'all's training as well, and it was amazing. But anything that I can read to help me be a better leader is is probably probably 75% of the material that I read. And it's anywhere from I might, you know, read something online. I might get a book. Um, I even go through the books here. They're donated a lot. There's a lot of good books here. Um, I also read Leaders in the Bible. You know, I love to read the biblical stories and, you know, how God really showed out for certain leaders when they were, you know, obedient to him. So I, I read a lot of different, you know, just a lot of stuff. I read weight loss. Mm-hmm. Oh, me, don't even go there. But I love to read re- weight loss books, you know, really? how to be healthy and okay. how to, you know, live a longer life and mm-hmm. eat more healthy. So it's just a variety, whatever the mood is. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. I've got a library, yeah, so yeah. I just go grab it. I hear you. I hear you. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh-huh. What What other things do you do besides reading and um, taking time for yourself? Like, what, what is the the recharge for Sandy? Is it rescuing dogs? Shopping. It, shopping. It's my therapy. <laughs> shopping is your therapy. Yes, your wife. She, you know. You know. I, I, I was gonna say. <laughs> I, um, I'm gonna make sure Christy doesn't hear this. Yeah. Because uh, she'll be like, oh, see, it's 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 fine. It's normal. Sandy does it. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, just spending time with my husband. We, we actually have a horse farm. Right. And so, um, it, you know, some days I'll just go walk on the property. I'll, mm-hmm. you know, walk walk on the land and just, 
I might jump on my husband's tractor, and it's mm. funny because I don't lower the deck on it. I uh, don't bush hog. Yeah. I don't, I, you know, I just ride around on the tractor. <laughs> I mean, the funniest things, you know, yeah. people look at me and they're like, wow, you do the craziest stuff. But, no. um, you know, just whatever. If I need something to refresh me or nature to mm. just spend time with God, or I'll go shopping mm. or um, I'll help out with the rescue. Right. Um, so, and, and the, the most part, my, hus- my husband laughs because he said, you know, you'll go from one thing to something totally opposite. Yeah. But, you know, just it just depends on how I'm feeling that day. Sure. So. Well, you know, good for you. I have tried to convince Christy to go get on my tractor because there is something therapeutic <laughs> about it. I know it's It is. Weird. It's cool. It's just fun to drive around yeah. and something. And uh, she's uh, like, no, no, I don't want anything to do with it. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell her that you ride your you Christmas tractor. And she needs to just hop on board because I actually think she would enjoy it. Well. It's kind of. The first couple of times I did it, my husband was like, "You're running all my gas out. At least lower the deck." You <laughs> yeah, know, right, the, right, yeah, so, and I was like, "That's not no. Yeah. I, that's not why I'm on here. <laughs> right, you know, just riding right. around." And he would get so tickled at me. Yeah. So the first couple of times, and then he finally just said, "Whatever, just do whatever you want to do." Because he don't care. But yeah. Right. yeah. He's like, if you're going to ride that tractor, you need to at least lower the deck. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, the bush hog. But yeah. Anyway, it's fun. I don't. Even though we have a farm, mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable with the horses. Oh, really? Okay. But I do feed them and different mm-hmm. things like that. So, so you're not comfortable? You don't ride them in no, this one? No, really? no, really? no. Um, um, I, you know, I feed them. I give yeah, them yeah. treats and love on them, but I'm not getting on no, Really? No. Mm-hmm. I see that. So for those listening who don't know you, you're one of the things I learned about you when I first met you was mm-hmm. that your son is like a legitimate cowboy. Right. Like That's goes right. to the rodeo. Yes. I mean, and so that's funny that he would be into that. And you're like, no, 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 thank, yeah. no, thank you. Uh, um, yeah. He, you know, when he was in high school, mm-hmm. he would play football. He played every sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he would play football for Springwood on Friday mm-hmm. night. And Saturday morning, 7 o'clock, we'd be leaving out for a rodeo. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because some of his coaches would come and they'd see that different person. So mm-hmm. he was like two different people. It was yeah. fun. But I, I've enjoyed it. That's awesome. I remember you talking about being as a mom and having your son in the rodeo. Yes. And you're like nervous wreck for it. So um, that's funny. I didn't know that you didn't ride the horses. No, I'm scared of them. Really? Yeah. Well, you know, I can see why. I mean, they're they're very powerful creatures and they're also very smart. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they can... They can be finicky too, and you don't know it, right? They're not going to tell you, "Hey, I'm about to kick you." Right? <laughs> you know, That's right. Uh, so. That's right. Um, so the last question I want to ask you here. So you mentioned about having, you know, a one, three, and five year plan mm-hmm. for you, both personally and professionally. Mm-hmm. What is what is the future that you're envisioning? What kind of professional goals do you have? What kind of personal goals do you have? You know, where where do you want to see Sandy Pike leading Habitat, and where do you want to just see Sandy Pike personally? With the future coming up? What I want is to be able to get up every day and know that if I receive a call from someone in need, that I can help. Um, that may not be under Habitat. As I had shared earlier with you, having that complete network of people, um, my ultimate goal would be that we could help help everybody that comes through here now that now keep in mind that is the legitimate needs i mean we get calls all the time for for stuff that we really they shouldn't be calling us but i don't tell them that but they shouldn't you know but just being able to grow habitat Mm. to the level of you know we can help these families Mm -hmm. we can make a difference Mm -hmm. um three years ago 
we didn't have the money to finish the three houses that had just been started. Mm -hmm. Now we're about to embark on 18 homes Mm -hmm. over the next four years. We have the funding for it. So just being able to grow and grow and grow and just make a difference. I mean, personally, I don't ever see... I don't ever see a retirement date for me. Really? I'm going to live to be 100. Mm-hmm. I, um, I ma- say that ma- all the time. That's young that, nowadays. I know. You shoot higher than that. So. That's why I read all these health books. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> but um, I do want to live. Jimmy Carter, mm-hmm. you know, I think about him often and I think, wow, you know, as old as he is, which is, you know, He's reached that milestone to where he could step back and he could actually say, you know, I've, I've done well. Mm-hmm. He really could. Mm-hmm. But what does he do? He doesn't. Right. Nobody would fault him for sitting down. Right. But he still keeps going. Mm. So just serving others and enjoying. To me, if you ask me what, what do I get the most enjoyment out of, mm-hmm. my family, God and my family, mm-hmm. but serving others. And I just want to be able to keep doing that. I ask the Lord to just keep my health Mm -hmm. so that I can. But on a personal note, if if this affiliate could really knock out, you know, make a difference in the in the communities, Mm -hmm. not Troop County alone, but all the affiliates. I mean, all of the counties that I serve, if mm-hmm. I could be di- knocking out five houses a year in all of them, I'd be mm-hmm. doing good. Yeah, because, so. you, you know, I don't... I'm, I'm, six. I was going to say, I'm, I'm remiss. It's six counties mm-hmm. now, right. and it's in two states. So. Alabama and Georgia, right? Three right. in Alabama, three in Georgia. Right. So the, the three that you have here in Georgia are Troop, Harris, and then what's the... And um, Troop, Harris, and Heard. And Heard, that's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, you've got Heard as well. So, mm-hmm. And then the three over in Alabama. So you Chambers, Randolph, and Clay. That's mm-hmm. right. So uh, five a year, yeah, that'd be 30. That's totally that's doable. That's what I'm saying. That's totally doable. I, I don't know see why it. that wouldn't be. Um, that's fantastic. <laughs> yes. Um, well, let me, let me ask you, Sandy, is there anything else that you would, you know, as we've talked about leadership and about Habitat, mm-hmm. anything else that you would want listeners to know or anything that you'd want to say to new executives or existing executives just your thoughts on things. You know, I'll tell you one thing. So every day that I get up, I always, if I allow myself to go there, I feel like I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Mm-hmm. And so for new people coming on board, give yourself mercy and grace to know that you can't do it all, mm-hmm. that you do need those people in your life that you can trust, that you can call on. But one of the things is that collectively together we can change the world Mm -hmm. and so i just get up and forgive myself every day i know i can't do it all i know i can't because you know you feel like you get up and even though we're we're progressing very fast and and quickly it still feels like we're not doing enough because the need is so great Mm -hmm. but you know i just want everybody to know that you're the leaders out there that's really working hard you're doing a great job and i think one of the things that I don't think leaders get enough of is that recognition that you're you're doing good, you're doing good because mm-hmm. the need is so great. Right. And so it's easy to feel like, gosh, we're not, you know, we're really not making a difference when we really are. Mm-hmm. So for those leaders out there that's really working hard at it, and we're we're blessed to be in such an organization. Look at our mission and vision statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at. This whole, let me say this, okay, so what I look back on so many times, Mm -hmm. and this keeps me going, is that one man seeking God 
mm-hmm. change the world. Mm-hmm. Look at Habitat. Mm-hmm. One man. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, Miller Fuller founded, mm-hmm. but his his goal was to serve others. Mm-hmm. And so that one man, from that one man in his heart desire, look what look where we're at. Right. And so when I think about it, I know that it's an amazing organization to serve and I'm so grateful. I feel so honored to be here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, Sandy, thank you so much for your thank time you. today. I appreciate you. And uh, I just hope you keep up the great work. Thank you. I appreciate you. You and Donna are amazing, by the way. I'm wow. so grateful to have y'all. Well, thank y'all you are very amazing. Much. Well, it's our pleasure to serve you. Thank so, you. Guys. Again, thanks for your insight. And okay. I hope you have a great rest of the thank day. Thank you. You too.